Hi, Pete. Hi, Laura. How's it going? Great. Yeah? Yep. Okay. It's going, going good. <laughs> doing, doing real good. Okay. Yeah, we just had like a little debrief about Pete's day, and he's glad for this distraction. Sure, yeah. So. Uh, this is His Dark Materials podcast. This is uh, our first show episode. That is correct. It's about the first episode in the His Dark Materials series on HBO and BBC. And we're going to just chat for a couple of minutes to let anyone who hasn't seen it that wants to mosey on out of here. Yeah, definitely. Have a minute or two. If you haven't read the books and you haven't watched the episode, now would be the time to turn this off. Go watch it. It's really good. To do. That's the the short and sweet version of our recap. It's really really good. Yeah. So you won't be wasting your time if you just uh, put pause on this and come back to it after you've seen the episode. And we're gonna try our best not to uh, jump ahead with the books, but we both have read the books and we've reread the Golden Compass recently. So if you want to be a thousand percent sure that you get no spoilers from the books. Like if you're planning on reading them, maybe wait until you've read the first couple of chapters. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and even though you may never plan on reading the books, you're just watching the show. We're going to try not to jump ahead with what we know from the books as well. Yeah, I think that's the move here is to just keep it to what has happened on the show and not, use our knowledge of what happens in the books to color in. Right, right. But uh, this is your big old spoilers warning. Yes. Okay, so are you ready to talk about it? Yeah, I'm ready. We're going to do this in chronological order, more or less. We'll try. Um, But I just need to gush a minute because it was so good. Yeah, it was really good. I I feel very I teared up multiple times. And I think... Um, I'll talk about it more specifically, but I think that I like some of the show adaptations even better than I like the book sometimes, which is crazy. I didn't think that was possible. I, I am on the hype train. At least, at least I think that they were tastefully done, and some of them are interesting additions to the canon of the books, right? Okay. Um, so shall we dive yeah. right in? Yeah. So the first thing we see is this introduction with the swelling theme song, which is really great, in my opinion. What do you think about the theme song? Well, the, theme, the theme song is great. We get the little precursor to the theme song, I would say, with the text and everything at the beginning kind of explaining to... So people don't aren't just totally lost. When Basically, just starts. explains what demons are, which I always call demons, but now we're calling them demons because that's what they say on the show. They said demons. They said demons. Okay. I mean, maybe. Hey, Jasper, don't touch my microphone, buddy. Um, Got a dog in the room. We decided to be in our living room, so we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. So they explain what demons are, and they explain that this is a parallel universe, and I at first wanted to hate this text explanation yeah, I was not happy about this being because how it they never they never actually explain in the books what demons are um explicitly you just kind of learn but then i thought about it more and the way that we learn about it in the books is through uh like omniscient narration so there's really 
they would have either had to add dialogue or do something like this. So I think it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I was annoyed that it started like that, but then thought about it and was like, you kind of have to do this. Um, the one thing I thought was a little interesting about the text that they chose to put up there was saying that the demons are people's souls just right off the bat. Yeah, they made it really explicit and it's okay. You know, so, it's fine. I've made my peace fine. with it. Yeah, that's cool. I think I had my hackles up in general in the first 30 seconds because I was just worried, you know, that yeah. my expectations wouldn't be met. But after watching the whole episode, um, I think that I got my feathers unruffled about it. No, that's cool. I got over it pretty quick. There's also mention of the magisterium and witches in this text, which I also thought was interesting. Yeah, it's like a big tease. It's, cool. it's, it's cool. a big teaser. So yeah. So we jump good. from that into Lord Azriel dropping baby Lyra off to Oxford, specifically Jordan College. We meet the master of Jordan College, who is played by Clark Peters, who I love because I know him from The Wire, and he's on a bunch of other HBO shows. So, And this immediately is a departure from book canon. So how did you feel about that? Uh, I didn't really care. I wasn't... It didn't, it didn't bother me at all. And, and circling back again to... Um, the Book of Dust, which we talked about in, in our first book episode, just touched on it. If you read the Book of Dust, this is part of the larger world canon, but it's not part of the Golden Compass world That's right. canon. That's correct. Um, but I thought it, it was nice. I thought that like a touch of backstory, mm -hmm. since it is out there in the written world, that's, yeah, that no, was nice. I, I was totally, I had no issue with that. I also thought it just looked really cool to see yeah. the um, Jordan College flooded. kind of flooded and underwater and has, and has also, Lord Azriel's coming down. I can't remember stairs. her name, but Lord Azriel's demon looks great yeah. in these scenes. I can't and remember. This is one of the first times we really see. It's a her? It's Did a her. Yeah, I thought so. Um, this is one of the first times we really see a demon. And yeah, it just looks so cool <laughs> and not cheesy at all. And the CGI looks really No, it great. looks good. Um, and then I love that they cut right to Lyra playing in Jordan college because this was something about the movie version that came out in the past that they cut all together. And I really missed that. And this is one of my favorite parts of the book. And so watching, uh, Lyra and Jordan run around Jordan college was so yeah. fulfilling and so beautiful and just really well done. Like the whole thing was, it's perfect. In no, it was mind. good. They just have Lyra and Roger being kids, running around, having fun. It's 12 years later, so Lyra's 12 years old, I yeah. guess. It's it's sort of like they com condense a bunch of these kind of play scenes into one scene, but yeah. it really works. Fine. It really, they, it, they did it really well. Um, there's a couple little details that I love that they omitted, but in general, it was great to meet Lyra and meet Roger in that way. Yeah. And then they added another new thing, which is Azriel in the North, which is yeah. something that's not directly described 
And that was very cool. To that was see cool. Him taking the photogram. We know from what comes later in the episode, which is all that happens in the book part of that story. I'm not going to, I don't think this is off limits here, but when he's talking to the Jordan scholars later on about this, about mm-hmm. what he's doing and what we see here, that's all we really get in the book. Um, so it's cool to see that visually see him up in the north with the aurora taking pictures it's super beautiful right and we said we weren't gonna talk about the book much but here we're talking about the book no, every five seconds just, but it was, um, it's a thing a distinction to to in the to book give. it opens with that scene in in jordan college where he's giving the talk with the photogram that's the Correct. first chapter right, right. so to do all of this and this is all even before the opening credits roll it just for me, it was a really great choice to put all of this up front to draw you into the world and get you really captivated before mm-hmm. we even see the main theme, before we see the credit uh, art that comes up, which I love. Um, and then we get back to that scene in Jordan College later. But can we stop and talk about the credits? Yeah, for a I minute? wanted to talk about that <laughs> you for sure. Look on edge because you thought I was going to steamroll really over that. I thought you were about to just I'm skip not. the opening credits. No, no. And I was like, <laughs> no, we need to talk about that. We're going to talk about it. We're talking about it right now. It's really cool. What's like, your favorite part? I love the part with the stairs going every which way. Yeah. Do you remember what that is called? That painting thing? Do you know what I'm uh, talking about? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's a reference to I that, know but what I don't know called, what I meant to look that up. But I know the painting you're referencing. When we were preparing. That's super cool. And then at the very end, when they have all the worlds stacked on top of each other, kind of twisting and... Well, but at the very, very end... They have the worlds lining up, and then they turn them, and they look like strings. And so I thought that was maybe a reference to string theory or quantum theory. Mm. And that would be right in line with what is to come. And you picked up on some foreshadowing that I didn't with the the spyglass and the daggers. Yeah, I think those um, were just references to the second and third books. I think absolutely. that's fair to say. I mean, it's it doesn't the give anything away. The those are the titles subtle knife of the second and the and third amber books. spyglass. Yeah, so um, for sure, but. You know, in the opening credits, the images we have are dust, the alethiometer, the subtle knife, the amber spyglass. We have balloons. We have airships. We have those cool stairs, which, again, I think is referring to the artwork that I can't recall what it's called. We've got the parallel universes. And then I do think that it's a reference to some kind of, uh, like, physics theory Yeah, at the very, very end there. So... That just makes me so excited. Yeah, the intro is super cool. Really I like good. the theme song. Yeah, they they hit so they much, hit it out of the park with so the so much good stuff to with come. The intro piece. Um, and after their credits, we again get more of this playful Lyra in class with the librarian playing tricks and climbing out the window and um. In this scene in particular, the set really reminds me of Hogwarts. When she looks out the window at the green and there's those archways. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It makes me wonder if they borrowed the set or shot on the same location or something like that. There's a scene later on, too, that really made me think of Hogwarts. But I can wait till we get to that unless you want me to bring it up. Which one is it? It's the scene with... um, 
Mrs. Coulter in the dining room mm-hmm. talking to Lyra for the first time. Yeah, for sure. I was like, this totally Absolutely. looks like Hogwarts with yeah. adults instead yeah. of kids eating. Yeah. I mean, maybe all fancy old colleges in England look like that. And I'm just unaware because I'm a American and I haven't had the pleasure. Know. I've never been. So, um, so maybe know. all dining halls look that way. And I just don't know that. But that was my moment of for sure. thinking of Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, so after we see Lyra in class sneaking well, out and all that stuff, or did you have something else on that part? No, I just wanted to mention that before we get to the next big scene, which is her uh, seeing the poisoned wine and the Jordan scholars and all that, there's this one little detail of the master getting up from the book of the alethiometer, like how to read it. Mm -hmm. And just like that visual of seeing the book of symbology of how to read the alethiometer is one of those things that like your imagination only extends so far when you're reading things and they're not described in detail. Like it's mentioned several times that that book exists or that versions of that book exist. But to see it, just was like one of those really fulfilling moments. I was like, wow. Yeah, it was <laughs> Look cool. Look at that book. I definitely it thought was of just that a flash. Well, too. It's know? just quick. You... But it's those details that are all over this episode that just really made it for me. Yeah. So we jump to Lord Asriel in the retiring room or whatever the hell it's called. Lyra literally jumps there over the rooftops to get there. Yeah, she sees him in there. Well, before she sees him in there, she sees the master of Jordan College putting a powder substance into the wine that he is about to give to Lord Asriel. Lyra speculates that this is poison, which is probably a good guess. She sees Lord Asriel come in, and as he's about to drink it, smacks the glass out of his hand and says, they poisoned the wine you're about to drink. Yeah, that was another good visual depiction um, in the way that he kind of apprehends her a bit roughly. Yeah. I think was yeah. super on point for his character. And I, yeah, the scene between them was just really well done. Agreed. Um, so Lord Asriel's telling the Jordan scholars about his findings, about dust, about uh, the city in the sky. And all I could think was, but tell me about the special emulsion you're using. Like, this isn't something that's described in the book, and it's not something that's described <laughs> yeah, in the show. Yeah, describe it here either. And it's, it's not really important. It's not a major plot point like not a vehicle to anywhere but i just found myself really distracted like but i want to know like if you're trying to get money from them you'd have to describe why your photo actually is legit yeah i just guess so one of those things for me that um seeing him do his mad science you know yeah it's like but tell me more tell me about it <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that he just says, my special emulsion or whatever, and doesn't describe it at all. But I get it. So you only have so much time. And that's enough show. to get everyone to like go against the magisterium and give him funding, even though it's heretical and they're all going to get in trouble now and the whole college is going to fall apart because of this. Well, and he's not even explaining how his 
emulsion works. There's just I mean, not enough time on. in a TV show, Laura, to explain. Well, maybe apparently in the that. book either. Um, he also presents Stana. What is his name? Stanislaw Grumman. Grumman. He just says yeah. Grumman. Yeah. Uh, a guy who was also researching in the north, uh, the same things Lord Azrael is looking into that he's presenting. He presents them with Grumman's skull frozen in ice. Um, I mean, this scene for the most part is like word for word. Yeah, book. It's pretty much right from um, the book. My biggest takeaways were that it's super cool just to see the way they depict dust in that photogram. And I thought, like, the the setting itself and the way the characters were portrayed was just so on point for my imagined reality of this. You mm-hmm. know, it was like, it would be harder to make it more like I had imagined it. Yeah, it, it definitely is picture-perfect representation of that whole part of the book, that whole chapter. It's really cool to see. Yeah. And every time I think that the, my favorite part has happened, I look ahead in my notes and like, they're all my favorite part. (laughs) Um, like the next scene was totally new to us because it's not something that was part of the book. Uh, the ceremony, the coming of age ceremony for not Billy Costa, Tony Tony Costa. Costa. Mm -hmm. Um, Super cool to see all the Egyptian people there for this Tony Costa ceremony. Manhood. I think that this thing. choice, this directing choice to um, add this scene will become even more important later. Like knowing what's ahead, but I'm not going to say it. I just think it was a really cool decision that they had um, to add in this ceremony, this coming of age ceremony for mm-hmm. their son. And we get to see Billy Costa taken, which it just uh, makes it more real. It's something that happens kind of like as an aside in the narration in the book. Yeah. And so to to have a visual depiction of that too is really, I think, a good choice. Um, and, you know, as much as it's a bad Thing. I really like the ominous whistling fox with the eyes. Yeah, the fox with the eyes was cool. Gobbler situation. It is creepy and it is like a perfect depiction again. I mean, there's. I'm just glowing and raving yeah. and not saying anything critical or interesting about this it's at cool. all. It's cool. It was good. So after the Egyptians, then we cut back. I think we're supposed to think that this um, ceremony is happening at the same time, around the same time as the Jordan College meeting with Lord Asriel, because yeah. then they cut back to the master and the librarian having their post-meeting chat by the fire. And I feel like we learn a lot more through them in this conversation than we do in the books. Uh, and I know I just read it, but... They, yeah. they kind of move the plot forward a little bit and give us some insight it's into the prophecy. It's all very mysterious. It is mysterious, but I think they still say more than they said in that part of the yeah. book. They talk about Lyra um, being super important. I like the part where he says, 
we should be scared for her and scared of her. Dun, dun, dun. I don't remember that line from the book, yeah. but I like it. I was like, that's cool. And I think that my biggest takeaway, uh, just kind of as an aside, is that all of this extra that they've added only excites me. And I think that it's tasteful and it's true to the story, to the vibe of the original. Mm-hmm. And so anytime there was like a new thing to see or a new line to hear or they played some character up and gave them extra dialogue, I was like, yes, I want to hear the master talk at length about this prophecy. Well, I mean, you got Clark Peters playing the master, so let's let's get as much of him in there as we can. And then um, the next scene, Roger gets a oh, big quick, line. Before we, before we go there, okay. I like the part also in that scene where he talks about this great betrayal. Right. And the librarian's like, who's going to betray Lyra? And he's like, no, she's going to betray somebody. I don't remember that either. I, I like, need to go crazy. <laughs> I need to go back and reread it. That was my job in the book episode. And I just kind of glossed over that. I don't even I know don't if I mentioned that. There's anything like that in there. They definitely have the fireside conversation. They include that. They make no, a point to I include don't remember that. At this point. Um, they definitely have a like post Asriel going over conversation, but I don't remember this much detail about the prophecy. Um, but I like it and I'm gonna go look at it. Should have yeah. done this before yeah. we did the episode, you know? Like it's I should right. should prepare. No, it's okay. I mean we're not I know we're mentioning <clears throat> differences and similarities to the books a lot. Um, but you know, it's more about the T V show for this episode. So Well it's I okay. like that scene. Really worked for me. I like those actors yep. together. I like their dynamic that's sort of parental over Lyra, especially the librarian's affection for her. You can really see. Yeah, I thought that was cool. And it's really sweet. And Absolutely. I'm just, um, I'm here for that whole thing. Um, and Roger gets so much screen time and so much more dialogue. I'm jumping ahead now. But the next that's scene, okay. we see Lyra... Um, Wait, did I miss the whole alethiometer? No, that's later. Okay. So in the next scene, Roger comes and tells her that Lord Azrael is leaving. And it's such a cute scene with the two of them when he brings her breakfast. Yeah, he brings her breakfast. He also tells her about Billy Costa, Billy Costa going missing. And Roger makes maybe the first mention of the gobblers taking him. And it seems, no, do the, yeah, that seems no, right. No, I'm pretty sure You're it right. is. You're right. And um, Lyra says, oh, that's just a myth. Right. They're, the two of them acting together in that scene, I, I just love that. Daphne Keene's really doing it for me. And I like in her that as scene Lyra. in particular, I really like how much she can change from the way she is when she's with adults to the way she's, she is with Roger. Uh, yeah, that scene was very cute. But when they run out to the airship when he says Lord Asriel's leaving and Roger sticks up for her when the airship's pulling away and he shouts up, against all the noise uh she's better than you think she is she's special like that was one of the moments where i wanted to tear up oh my god it was so and good Lord Azriel says everybody's special i just didn't think that Shut i could up, be moved by this show after having read the book so many times but that was one of the scenes where i was really moved both by daphne Keene's performance and by roger shouting this i was just mm-hmm. like oh like heart-wrenching i mean the kids both Oh, Roger so and Lyra, good. they did a great job casting those two kids. Yeah. I think they're perfect for it. And that was one of my film critiques, too, that Roger got 
zero screen time. I don't think they even had him as a character. Minimized in the movie, from what I recall. Minimized. I don't think they even had him he's as a character. He's in it, but... Really? I don't yeah, think so. He's in it. Well... No, he is. You haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, you're right. Um, And, like, Lyra, just quick aside, but Lyra's much older looking in this show than the actress they got to play her in the movie and i think that's a good look um i feel like for how savvy she's supposed to be this works that she looks a little older yeah so i don't know i thought that was a good idea or a good move are you ready to move on to the magisterium i'm ready to move on the magisterium um oh What's up? I think we're skipping ahead a little bit. Really? Because we meet John Fa and Fodder Quorum oh, yeah. quickly as they talk to, is it Tony? I think they're talking to Tony Costa about how yeah. they're, they fa- they've, there's been lots of Egyptian kids taken from different camps and they're worried about the gobblers and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do about finding these kids. But we do meet John Fa. In Fodder Quorum, who I'm sure will be in right. many, much more of the show. I um, love that they introduced them early like this. Yeah. And John Fa is a Saladar son from oh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't place where I, to, I knew him I from. I, I feel like Fodder Quorum yeah. I know from something else too. Yeah. He's definitely from other stuff. I, I can't remember the didn't actor's look name. It up. Um, was he Game of Thrones also, maybe? Oh, he was. Um, yeah, definitely. He was. Um, Night's Watch. He's uh, oh, Jorah Mormon. Not really? Jorah. Um, who's the? Is Jorah the younger one? Jorah's the son. The, he his was father, Lord Mormont. Lord Mormont. Really? Yeah. But so now he has red hair and he had white hair in that. Yeah. But you're sure he was? It's Lord the Mor- same actor. Now that I'm thinking uh, of it. So we got two Game of Thrones guys as. Love it. The two uh, Egyptian guys. Perfect. Cool. Um, yeah, I think the casting for them is really great, and I'm glad that we got introduced to them so soon. And how cool is his, like, black and white raven? Is that what it was? Yeah, his, oh, his wow. demon's cool. I don't remember which kind of bird it's supposed to be, but that is a unique bird. But looks cool. I like that they all have the bird demons. That's really a, yeah. a special thing for me about the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then we meet Mrs. Coulter, and that... Super dramatic, super awesome. Having her silhouette in the doorway. Her theme song sounds like something from Star Wars. Yeah. It's like so villainous and Death perfect. Death esque theme song sort of thing going on. Yeah, Death March? Or do you mean Death Star? Sure. Let's say that. You mean Death March? I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, it, it's perfect. And her entrance is perfect, and her entrance in the dining hall is perfect, and basically she is perfectly cast, and yeah, I cannot rave more about her. And it grew on me with the second watch. Like, in the first watch, I was into it, and she sold me on it, but the second watch, I was like, wow, she's brilliant, Ruth Wilson, in this role. Oh, that's the actress's name. Mm-hmm. Also, before that, we get a brief scene of two guys in the magisterium two church guys, whatever. Oh, right. Yeah, I did want to talk about and that. And I'm like, who are these people? Oh, well, the <laughs> one is like, Lord Boreal. I don't think this scene existed in the books at all. Yeah, I don't remember this being in the books. I don't think it was. I think uh, Lord Boreal is introduced later, but he is a book character. I do remember his name. 
Um, and they say this in the scene, so I can go ahead and say he's a friend of Mrs. Coulter's. Oh, okay. So let's move on to the scene with Mrs. Coulter in the dining hall. Let's do it. Um, there were some really amazing moments of Ruth Wilson acting this character in that scene, I thought. Did you like her? Yeah, no, I, I, I think she's going to be great as Mrs. Coulter. Like, for all sure. I can really I'm, say I'm is it. that it's amazing. I'm here for it. Jasper, don't cry. Our dog is whining, if you can hear that. Um, and the choice to have her physically block Roger with her arm in a way that, like, there is no dialogue, there's no text about that, but it was just so perfect. Some uh, body acting, or I don't know what it's called. It was a perfect, subtle um, choice to have that character do that, to have her physically block it Roger. Was, it was subtle, I thought, in um, a good way. And then she offers Lyra this assistant position and Lyra's obviously really taken with her and the face she makes when Lyra hugs her. Oh my God. Did you notice that? Yeah. So good. Yeah. She just looks like she ate sour grapes and it's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) It all escalates very quickly. It sure does. But that's true to the book. That is what happens. Yeah. So I mean, for the most part, except for the decisions they made, to alter a few things or add a few things, it's pretty spot on word for word from the book. So, mm-hmm. um, and then in the next scene, Lyra is awoken by the librarian and rushed over to the master's office. And the librarian's not who does that in the book, but that's okay. I like this choice because yeah, he's a character we've already important. met and he's portrayed as this fatherly figure to her. And, I just really like that he's around so much and that he gets extra screen time. That guy's also from other stuff that I can't recall right now. Maybe Harry like, Potter. I want to say Harry Potter. Yeah. But um, so when the master's giving her the alethiometer, she asks such astute questions when the master's talking about, like, you know, I'm here to protect you. She says, From who? You know, yeah. and, uh, you know, I was asked to protect you. Who asked you? Like, for a 12-year-old, she's really on it, and I love that about her. Yeah. Um, he tells her that it will tell her the truth and potentially protect her. That's right. And she tries to reject it. Yeah. Which is not canon and interesting. I, I, I honestly couldn't remember, so I'll take your word for it that she it's She just not sort canon. of accepts it in the book. Um, and the master tells her to keep her own counsel. He also tells her that the alethiometer is illegal, which is a little detail that I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember that either. But again, all these additions, Doesn't matter. I like it. I like no, it. No, I'm into like, it. I, I guess I just didn't think that that was really possible, that they could change things or add things and that I'd be into it, but I am. I think it's all for the best. That all works. Um. So next we get Lyra looking for Roger the next morning. It's the or same that, morning. Oh, sorry, the it's same morning. The same yeah, morning. So Lyra looking for Roger because she's supposed he's supposed to go with her with Mrs. Coulter. Roger is nowhere to be found. She goes to Mrs. Coulter. Wait, don't jump ahead because oh, is, this. Is there something else between them? Well, I just want to say that when she gets to the crypt and she shouts Roger's name in the crypt, the way that she shouts his name in the crypt in particular is heart-wrenching. And that's another moment where I teared up because of her acting, because of the way that the scene was portrayed, 
the way that she acted that scene, I just, I know I'm saying this a lot, but I did not think that I would be so emotive. I didn't think that I would be moved to tears by this, but I was, it was working for me in a big way. I did skip past one thing too, while I was, um, jumping ahead to Mrs. Coulter and Lyra there between that or before that, um, we do get the Egyptians on right. the river right. and John Fa talking to Ma Costa about them looking for Billy and other Egyptian kids and then the gobblers have them and they need to go to London. And this is another addition that doesn't exist in the books, but I love it. I love that we understand their plot movements as they're happening, not um, like down the road in hindsight, we get an explanation, but like we see it real time as they're moving in this world. Yeah. And I love the visual of them moving on the river. Yeah. I liked it, it a lot. So them cool being on the river the was boats. really neat. Yeah. And seeing the boats and, and their birds all flying behind them. Mm-hmm. It Very was cool. really, really good. Um, and so, yeah, then Lyra decides to go with Mrs. Coulter. Um, but before that, she goes back to her room and she pulls the alethiometer out of her skirt oh, yeah. and she starts shouting at it. And again, this is a new to us scene, not something from the books. Um, so just those details, uh, which are so true to her character, that she would hide it up her skirt, that she would start shouting at it yeah, angrily. It was funny when she it, tried to just it, ask it verbally. Perfect. This is not... This is not her first interaction with the alethiometer in the book, but it so works, and I'm so here yeah, for it. Yeah, I liked it. it. Yeah, it was great. I thought it was kind of fun. Um, so then she does decide to go with Mrs. Coulter on the airship, and the airship is another one of those things that I never really thought through in detail. It's like, that's just how they get from A to B. I didn't mm-hmm. think about the interior of an airship, so seeing that visual was very neat. Um, it made me think of like a Zeppelin or like Indiana Jones, the one... Maybe the I think first. they are Zeppelins, right? They're like blimps. I don't know why it made me think of Indiana Jones, but it did. There's some scene with, it's the third Indiana Jones. They're in some Zeppelin and there's a fight and all this stuff. It made me think of that for yeah. some odd reason. But yeah, they're in a Zeppelin. Um, and she can see the Egyptians' movements out the window. And that's a nice, cute little like detail. Mrs. Col- Mrs. Coulter gives her a weird look when she notes that too. like a- No, she gives the weird, weird look when... Um, her demon, the monkey, notices that she put something in her pocket. Oh. They, they notice the, the alethiometer. The monkey's face looks crazy. Well, but that's appropriate. <laughs> but it is. That's appropriate. I'm just noting that, like, I've thought that a couple times throughout the episode. I was like, yeah. It's kind of perfect, but it also just looks really odd. Um, and then the whole episode ends with Roger being taken. In like the back of what looks like a police cruiser kind but of again, thing with this the is a, partitioned. To book readers, this is a brand new scene that we've never imagined before and it works and Roger gets extra screen time and I just thought that was perfect. Yeah. A good way to end it. Good addition. Yeah. I don't think there were any things that they changed or added that I didn't like. No, I don't have any gripes in that like regard. Which is just like crazy, really. I'm not at all upset about anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was totally good with it. The only fact, thing I'm that excited. even minorly rubbed me the wrong way was that text at the beginning. Yeah, and after I too, thought about but... it, I was like, I understood it. So barring that, 
I really had zero issues with how they portrayed this in the first episode. And it just had me even more excited for the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, back to the text. I really think that the only way they could have dealt with that differently would be to add more dialogue of explanation between them and a demon or between themselves as humans. And, and that was very expedient. They got it out of the way and then they could be like much truer to. That's cool. I saw the necessity of it. We don't even, yeah, we're good there. I just had to bring that up. If as really, we were talking, really bothered you a little no. bit. It just got to you. Just at the beginning, <laughs> I under like I said, I understood why it needed to be there. All right. Well, we did the whole report and in the feedback, but Recap. I want to ask you specifically what you think of the music because you're a musician. Um, you know, it didn't stand out in some really big way to me, but I do like the theme song, and I wasn't bothered by any of the music that was happening during the episode um i'll have to pay closer attention in upcoming episodes um it didn't stand out in in a huge way to me i thought there were a few moments where the music really added to the drama especially some of the scenes that were new to us as book readers um, like the scene where Lyra's talking to her uncle at the airship, the music then was really a moment yeah. that I remember. And Trying the introduction of notes. Mrs. Coulter, where she doesn't really have any dialogue, the music was really noticeable. So I thought, I don't know, I listened to the soundtrack today while I did my work, and I was really excited about it. Mm-hmm. Were there any casting decisions that you didn't like so far? No. I I don't have any. I was just curious to see if you thought differently. There were a few characters that they seemed to cut altogether, but they were super minor. Um, And then they added extra dialogue for other characters that were kind of like absorbed by those characters. Like Lyra had a kind of caretaker figure who was a housekeeper Uh, for the college. And they just cut that character. And then the librarian sort of like assumed some of that parental role. But she did have like this female um, figure Mm -hmm. at the college who helped her out. And they just kind of, you know, so little things like that. Like, I understand why they made those choices. They spent more time on developing certain characters that I did want to see more of anyway, like Roger and the librarian. I thought they did that really well, how they just added that into making him even more affectionate for her. Mm -hmm. Um, No. I thought it was great. Yeah. I didn't have any problems with the casting. I think they did a really good job with it. I wasn't worried about that as much as I was worried about some of the directing and adapting choices. And I didn't have any gripes there either. Tone of it was on point. Visually, it looked really good. Everything looked super beautiful. Um, Those statues at the college was one thing that stood out to me visually Uh, towards the end of the episode. I think we see it. Mm -hmm. There are animal like uh, statues, whatever. Very tall, very big. I I would thought those looked awesome. Yeah. But visually great on point. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I have anything else. Do you have any other? I mean, Things I could you gush to dis- more, to discuss. but really I'm just excited for the next episode. Yeah, me too. 
I'm looking forward to next Monday. All right. Well, we'll see you all back here on Wednesday next week. All right.